This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Paul wrote in Colossians 3.13, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. The grudge holder suffers from an unusual kind of wound. Although his grudge is related to a past conflict with someone else, it's still a wound that is self-inflicted in a way. And he keeps it and prevents its healing because he simply desires for it not to be healed. It's like a cherished spirit of resentment or a feeling that he welcomes uh, a feeling of ill will that he welcomes towards somebody else. You might say the grudge holder is glad to be mad at someone. And in our culture today, that seems to be valued. The majority of stories that take up headlines, for example, are about you know the latest in, in these grudge matches between politicians or you know some some other people group or whatever the case may be but there's all these actors in, involved but the trend continues because of the people involved whether it be those reporting the news quote unquote or the the people that the news is about or the people consuming the news it all kind of works together to make this scheme or trend that people relish uh, these sort of things, holding these these grudges and having suspicions about the other side, and and they're they're glad to be just kind of in this constant state of of anger or bitterness, and this is of course contrary to the spirit Jesus would have his people bear and maintain. First John three fifteen: Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. One thing that you'll never see is a happy grudge holder. You know, you might look around at the you know political landscape or culture in general, and or maybe you've even seen headlines where it's like you know American, you know, based on this survey, Americans are unhappier now more than than ever, or you know, or this group is you know way more unhappy than it was ten years ago, or something like this. And a large reason for that is, I, th- I think, because of this. Um, you know, accepted mentality in our culture that it's uh, it's good for the quote other side to be villainized, and you need to keep feeding these feelings of resentment, and uh, that that never makes anybody happy, right? Our, our minds will be forever troubled because the the object of our grudges become they consume our thinking. Right, and if you're constantly thinking about, you know how terrible the other side is, or how terribly you believe someone has wronged you, then you're just constantly rehearsing that in your mind, reliving that mistreatment in the past, or you're, you know, or even imagining uh, mistreatment that could happen, and maybe even magnifying it. And so, each time with each iteration, there's just more bitterness, more resentment, and not any real solutions sought after or any real willingness to let it go. And we know that harboring grudges defile us, defile the heart. It, it poisons our thinking, produces misery, and 
that will make it impossible to fulfill the commands that we have, like to rejoice in the Lord, to be a joyful people, to be distinct from the constant whirlwind of of grudges and bad news and ill will that is all around us. And like all attitudes and and behaviors, you know, grudging and, and you know the manifestations of bitterness and holding a grudge begin in the heart uh, with everything else. Jesus ta- teaches us that the things which proceed out of the mouth come forth out of the heart in Matthew 15, 18. And, and so if we have these begrudging feelings of, you know, bitterness, anger, all these things we're familiar with, if they are in our heart, well then soon that's going to translate to real world action and, and how we, talk to other people and how we treat one another and our, our families and coworkers. And, you know, it just spills out eventually to the detriment of, of many and certainly to ourselves. And so, you know, as I mentioned, when we give ourselves to those feelings, then we're consumed that, that consumes our thoughts. And, you know, it just becomes like this cycle of, again, of rehearsing and then reliving. And then it just gets worse. And, you know, we continue to vilify the person in our mind uh, rather than, again, seek a, a constructive solution and reconciliation or uh, or if there can't be reconciliation, uh, do uh, fulfill the pattern that, that Jesus gave us, and that is to love our enemies and do good to those who persecute us. Uh, but if we continue to vilify and speak evil of of people or have these evil suspicions, then we are hurting ourselves. We're sinning against God, and uh, we need we need a change. And Hebrews twelve fifteen says, "See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, and that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many become defiled." And so, you know, this these feelings are infectious and. They don't happen in a vacuum, and it only it only gets worse uh, because as we harbor these these feelings, rather than relinquish them and find peace in the promises of God and, and His capability and goodness and the the promise that He gave us to eventually set the world right and hold all men accountable, uh, the the more we drift from that. Well, then obviously the, the greater the grudge that we hold and, and the, the more we're clinging to those feelings and the more they're spilling out into our lives and our families and and into the church, the local church where we're members, and that can easily become a wedge of division because, uh, we, you know, we start to advertise those grievances. Maybe we are wanting sympathy or we're wanting, you know, someone to feed on the the bitterness as as we are and so we kind of get these allies that we're trying to influence and join our our side quote unquote and then you know anyone unwilling to do that well then they're just part of part of the problem when really the the issue is is me and an unwillingness to let go of my hatred um Paul said a little leaven leavens the whole lump so therein is another passage in First Corinthians five six that shows us, you know, there in the context he was talking about sexual sin, but 
that phrase is applied to all sin, really, um, as it pertains to how it affects the local church and and certainly you know all people around us. That it's uh, again, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. Many churches have been made to suffer unnecessarily so, and and sometimes irreparably because of the influence of grudge-holding brethren or, you know, someone who's given to hate or malice or bitterness. And so we're only deceiving ourselves if we think that we can have these feelings and harbor these feelings without jeopardizing our, our souls. Calling it something else doesn't remove the problem. You know, maybe someone says, well, he's just, you know, he's real political or he's, you know, he just, you know, he watches too much news and, you know, he just needs to take a break or, you know, we, we try to excuse it in in some way, but um, we need to make sure we remember God's perspective and allow it to shape our own so that we will treat these, uh, these sins with the seriousness with which God says we should treat them. Uh, Even when it may not be all that apparent, we can be tempted to harbor a deep-seated kind of resentment and bitterness toward others. We, so we have to be honest with ourselves and, and all these things. God says to put away all of it. Ephesians 4.31, put away all bitterness and wrath, anger, and, and malice. So do I believe that? Do I believe he means what he says? All right. And there's all sorts of, there's all sorts of channels and, you know, operators behind those channels avenues, if you will, in, in our life that can generate and, and really are designed to generate anger and bitterness and evil suspicions and malice and and wrath and, and just and keep you stirred up because the, the operators behind those avenues, whether it be social media, you know, your feed or your news feed or um, whatever the case may be, that they have a vested interest in keeping you stirred up, right? Because they, what they're trying to do is shape your thinking and because they have an agenda and they want to pull you into that agenda. And while the news and social media can be helpful in a lot of ways and be used in, in constructive ways, for the most part, it's not. Uh, and we're too easily swayed by the, uh, the, the stories and, you know, editorials that are that are out there that just again have a vested interest in keeping us angry and we need to uh, we need to let it go and we need to you know cut off the valve if that's what we need to do so that we can focus on what what really matters and that is the sphere of influence that we have you know we can't do anything about what's happening on the other side of the world you can certainly pray and we should be praying for leaders and for our military and and you know a to, to have a land that enforces just laws and so we can have peace and continue to live and spread the gospel. But it does no good to be uh, a bitter toward any, any, any group politically, ethnically, what, you know, however, however the world wants to categorize people, right? It's, you know, the, the pattern for the church is unity around a, a common truth, the truth that we find in God's word. And Satan seeks to disrupt that any way that he can, certainly within a local church and stirring up, you know, a brethren against one another. But 
because the world lies in his power, it shouldn't surprise us that, you know, you see divisions across all sorts of um, people in, in the world. And, and, you know, whether that be uh, political schisms or cultural or, uh, you know, educational or socioeconomical, whatever the, whatever schism there is, he will try to find a way to make that spill over into the church and, and use that. So brethren will, will turn against one another as well. Um, and, you know, we all have strong feelings about different things that may be going on in the political realm or in the financial realm or in the medical realm as it is now with this, uh, you know, COVID vaccine. And we have strong feelings about that and we have to do what's best for ourselves and what's best for our families. And every Christian should be doing that. But every, every Christian may have, you know, you know we're going to have different judgments about well, how that looks. And so what, what's going on specifically with that issue, you know, in our culture is, you know, you got the vaxxers versus the anti-vaxxers, right? And and uh, you got forces pitting those individuals against what, or at least trying to, and that can easily spill over into the church if we're not careful, right? That that, that will just be kind of um, become another metric by which, an unnecessary metric by which we're trying to uh, judge one another and impose our will upon one one another when we shouldn't, when we shouldn't, because in the end it doesn't matter. Um, no matter how justifiable a grudge may seem, it's always an expression of contempt and hate. And God commands us to love one another, even enemies. And so we need to apply that certainly to unbelievers and those who are uh, persecuting us. Um, And we need to remember not to hold grudges certainly against our brethren for differing judgments. God commands us, again, to, to love one another. And spirits of bitterness and anger hinder that because it seeks condemnation. It seeks to make the problem worse, exacerbate it. Uh, whereas loving one another looks for the best, doesn't have, doesn't give itself to evil suspicions, that keeps no record of wrongs, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, and all the characteristics of love that Paul names there. And so that's the spirit we're to maintain toward all people and certainly toward one another as disciples. Be ye kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Ephesians 4.32. And that's a tremendous gift and blessing. We desperately need it. And this is how God's people would have us, this is how God would rather have his people set apart. Right By this all men will know if know that you are my disciples if you love one another. John 13.34. Right, but if if the world observes the church and sees a people who are just as you know angry and bitter and divided and fighting fighting over the same things, even that are are being fought over in uh, the, the political and cultural realms, well, then how how are we any different than the world? And so we need to stamp out those grudges in our hearts and do what's necessary to find reconciliation, let go of those feelings, ask God for forgiveness, repent and ask for greater wisdom. I appreciate you tuning in.